We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Coming at you on a Wednesday midweek edition here. Uh, the Knicks play a basketball game tonight, of course, against the Indiana Pacers in Indiana in what should be uh, a fun game. Um, not an easy game by any stretch, but fun one, hopefully. Uh, and to bring you through this week towards the beginning of the season, we have on a very special guest, perhaps the most special guest, because there is no Knicks Film School without the man that I'm going to be talking to today. And that is the one and only Jeffrey Ballone. Um, of course, the originator of the original Knicks Film School Twitter account, uh, first person who uh, started, created the Knicks Film School newsletter. Uh, the guy who I went in with on this endeavor many years ago. And now uh, here we are. And we talk about what he's up to, what he's been working on, um, the uh, state of the state of the media industry for for independent content creators uh, like ourselves. Uh, we always we always touch on that. And of course, we talk a lot about the Knicks and this team and perception and reality and expectations. And it's I always have fun conversations with with JB because um, one, he's one of my best friends and, and two, he's very thoughtful about this stuff. So uh, I hope you enjoy the conversation. And uh, of course, don't forget if you uh, like it and like the pod in general, uh, you could go ahead and leave us a review or a rating. Uh, and one more reminder, don't forget if you are not yet Watching the post-game live streams on YouTube, you could feel free to do that after every game. I will be going live immediately after the final buzzer sounds on the Indiana game uh, tonight. So make sure you check that out. But without further ado, here is my conversation with JB. Joining me now on the next Film School podcast. It, has it been since the 300th episode? Andrew, help me out here. He's not going to remember. He has yeah, too much I will. 
I, well, I know for, for I'm pretty sure it's been since the 300 episode because JB, for some reason, during the Knicks' <laughs> first successful season, decided I, to go dedicate gone. dedicate all of his time to this baseball team of ours that has been driving me up a wall. JB, listen yep. the the walking the walking enigma. I'm not gonna say walking contradiction because that's that's not like it, he's he's just it is an enigma wrapped in a riddle wrapped in I, I don't I don't know what um he is and will always be Nick's film school um started this this little shack once upon a time since it's <laughs> grown the grown up a little bit uh he is yeah. now the he, what are you the from mansion though yeah right um listen I'm in a I'm in a corner of an apartment it's an I like the apartment but I am still in a corner of an apartment um it, it, he is a uh, the curator, the author, the, I don't know, what is your official title for, for the Metropolitan? Um, yeah, it, I'm like you with Nick film school, the pretty much, you know, the, the curator, the, well, we, we have Blake to edit. It's actually funny. We got a good team, the three of us, Blake and Peter, Blake, uh, Peter did the recap. Blake would edit and write. Yeah. And then I would, uh, you know, I would do a little bit of each. So so yeah, so we all kind of carry different hats. I don't think any of us could take like one one title. Speaking of hats, I'm glad you're not wearing one. Your hair looks nice. The last time I saw you, you were going for the <laughs> a bit I'm of going a cr- to Jerry Seinfeld to like, you know, poop it out, yes. right? Hold <laughs> on, I'm not I haven't even introduced you fully yet. Uh so you're uh the Metropolitan and and also more recently, um a new endeavor with the folks at, at Isles Fix, which now is, is associated with, with Mets Fix, correct? That's right. That's right. Only blue and orange teams that I cover, clearly. <laughs> so no, um, I mean, God knows, why Why would you want to spend any time on either of the football teams in this in this city? No, I know. Although the Jets <laughs> had a good week. Finally. I was about to say, tell them about Mike White, JB. Yeah, I know they about won. the savior, Mike White. Tell them about won. it. Uh, and actually i didn't go this i didn't go this week because i thought you go to every game that's right our family has season tickets but it was halloween so i i was like all right i'm gonna stay i'm gonna stay home be with the girls and uh so my dad still went without me and i I had to call him a couple times to check in and um yes i I missed the big win but um i was you know i was definitely surprised by that um I missed it on, on Facebook. If you posted pictures of costumes, uh, I did not get, I have not got a chance to go on much social media the last few days. Did you dress up? Uh, no, I didn't, which I feel bad about. Cause like everyone in my neighborhood did, cause we have this great neighborhood where everyone, like, I, I think, you know, I got the, the puppy. Um, Beautiful. Puppy. I'm, yes. I'm why it's a golden doodle. So I'm walking the puppy all the time. And the way our neighborhood works, you can't get within five or six houses. And someone's going to come out, talk to you. And, and, you know, all of a sudden you've made it two houses in 45 minutes. Right. Got it. But, um, everyone else dressed up and I didn't. Um, so next year I got to pick up my game a little bit, but the girls were Liv was, uh, an evil Egyptian. She added the evil part. Okay. I like um, it. Uh, I guess it was really a Cleopatra, um, costume, but she called herself an evil Egyptian. And then Cleopatra uh, so- didn't, she was evil. Wasn't she? Didn't she? Did- Start some like wars or something, or I'm just I maybe making that up. Well, yeah, I guess you could. If, yeah, I, I guess you could go with that. And then Zoe was a spy. <laughs> oh, 
Very nice. See, you, it's your, yeah. your, your girls are very different than, than, well, I mean, the one doesn't know what the hell she is yet. She, she was being confused for a boy for most of the night because we dressed her up as Baby Yoda. And, um, and the other one. Oh, that's so funny. Zoe does yeah. a Baby Yoda impression. Oh, well, it's. So we'll have to exchange pictures of all. Yes. <laughs> and, and then Scarlet Ray was Belle from Beauty and the Beast. Uh, this is clearly the content that, that Knicks fans everywhere came to hear. Yes. So um, you have not been on uh, for a little while. Uh, if it was, if memory serves and it was the 300th episode, uh, the Knicks at that time during early February, I think that was during early February, right, Andrew? Yeah. R- roughly around then. They it's were, okay. we, we were having, I remember we were having conversations about how it was cool that like this, it was a cute little story and it was something we could feel good about. And then the rest of the year happened. And, and it, it, again, if memory serves at that time, um, the Steve Cohen thing, because I remember we talked a lot about the, yeah, Mets. Yeah. the Steve Cohen thing was still relatively new. And there was you if, if I, I, I man, I feel like I'm putting you on blast here. You were like <laughs> to have to have a great order now, you know, yeah, it right, feels right, so right. good. Maybe the next. Right. Key, and it's interesting how the last uh, whatever it is, seven how, months how have transpired. Up, right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, it, it is crazy that if you think about how long we spent covering not just a bad team, but literally one of the worst teams. Um, and most dysfunctional. Know, and most dysfunctional. And and part of that, to be honest, and I think all Knicks content creators know this is true. The fact that they are the Knicks, and I'm saying like Knicks in the like sense of how people who don't like the Knicks say them. Yes. Um, <clears throat> also kind of helps the Knicks content creators when they were bad. Because it's like you could create content. There's no other team that could be that bad that you could create content that anyone would care about or that there would be headlines to talk about. And whether you liked how they were covered or you didn't like how they were covered, it was a conversation that was constantly happening. So they're, they're sort of the strange team where, um, you know, you, even though they were bad, you could produce a lot. And obviously that's how. As we're what is it the two year anniversary now of the of the newsletter being paid? Um, it's one year, one year, but it so one, you, one year. I was thinking about this because you started it in March or April um, of the the um, goodness gracious the the year before because um, I because I ran it for a year and a half before it went paid. Right. That, I guess that's why I'm confusing the, the years. I'm thinking maybe it's all running together. I was going through this with yeah. Andrew the other day. And like, when did you come? When, when did you start producing the podcast? I literally couldn't remember if it was like two or three years. I'm I absolutely right. it, all, it, it all runs together. But to, to your to your point, the reason why Nick's content creators will. Oh, and I'll be curious to hear what your thoughts are on whether this is true for the other New York teams that you now have the newsletters for. Um, it's counter programming to the consensus. The, the consensus being the Knicks are terrible. They're a laughing stock. This and the other thing, again, in the sense that you just referred yeah. to the Knicks as, as has been the case over much of the last 20 years, except most franchises across, I think different, any sport in other towns, cities, whatever, if their team sucks, no one wants to read about it. Right. But They're here, no part of the conversation. Right. Yeah, exactly. Here, there, uh, because we're all crazy, we still want to like, and it's in in a weird way. 
we want to read about it that much more, which is really, you know, it's funny. This goes back to when I first called you and you were like, hey, I'm thinking of starting yeah. a newsletter. And I was like, hey, I'm thinking of starting a podcast. Why? Because I felt like the coverage wasn't fair and it needed it need balance like things. Right. It wasn't always raining. You know what I mean? Yeah. There was some yeah. sh- sun shining through and it was just a matter of um of finding the audience. But as you just said, the audience is out there because they want to at least be, be covered fairly. Yeah, no. And, and, and I think with, you know, what we're seeing with the newsletters for different teams is <clears throat> there, it's basically me as a sports fan, you as a sports fan have the same feeling, right? It's like you, if we weren't creating content and you wanted to learn about your team, nowadays there's more information than ever. You can go on Twitter, you can yep. go on all the sites, right? But it's like, and then there are sites that try to aggregate. That's what most blogs are. They aggregate news. They take one little rumor and they turn it into a post. But the problem with that is like, you still have to go and you have to click on all these individual posts to read all this stuff. Some of it's sensationalized. And then you're like, oh, that's nonsense. Why did I click that? That's clickbait. So the gap seems to be you're a serious fan and you want all of the information. You want to know everything that happened, but then you you want it in like a reasonable non-clickbait way. And I think that's where the newsletter comes in to give you that. And it's, it's weird. It's like these teams are popular, but there's a lot of readers that I think feel underserved for that type of content. And I think that's the thing that's been a commonality across the Knicks, the Mets, and the Islanders. And I mean, especially, you know, the Islanders, I, I would say, are on one extreme to the Knicks, where they where so? fans feel, well, I think fans feel under, underserved across the board, right? So like you have the Knicks where anything they do is now a story on ESPN. Like Bing Bong doesn't exist for any other team. Right. (laughs) And by the way, I tried to show Emily the the video and explain to her. And what's funny is I I didn't so she knew nothing. So she is like a perfect sample. And I said, all right, watch this video. What sticks out to you? She didn't even catch the Bing Bong thing because it, it is such like this like moment in time of it like of all the noise this this one dude comes in and he says it and it's funny that that is what got pulled from the video when i first saw it it was the it was the fifth or sixth most memorable thing from the video but i'm I'm old we're we're all we're both pretty old so maybe yeah right a reflection but that but that like that you you can't have that with another team so with the islanders they're i think the in nhl in general hockey in general the feeling is more why aren't you talking about me more? Right. Like mm. I need more coverage. Where with the yeah. Knicks, I think the average fan is saying, stop talking about me in I this way. Want, right. I don't yeah. want Max Kellerman giving me his hot take. Go away and let me just enjoy my basketball team. And that's where they're different. Well, the challenge. So it's a good transition to, to this talking about this team a little bit. The, the challenge is. <laughs> Oddly enough, like pe- the now the general consensus this year so far has been nothing but but good things about the Knicks. I mean, they were right. uh, you know they were five and one. Now they're as we're recording this, they're they're five and two. Um, but like you know, I think around the league, people still like, oh look, the Knicks are the Knicks are good again. And I don't want to say it's flipped the other way, but like right. there there is definitely. I, I think a significant segment of the fan base who and it, listen, I who knows if my sense is, is ever correct, but the sense I get is like 
there are issues with this team um, and there are clear issues with this team and, and they want those issues um, delved into perhaps like nobody needs any, nobody Knicks th- needs the Knicks being patted on the back by me, which is strange, yep. strange to yeah, say. So, so you're right. It's still the same purpose then, right? Like you're doing kind of counter to counter, what yeah. general coverage is right. Um, and then you're right. I mean, it's, you know, you can look at it two ways to me. If you wanted to do like the high level takeaway with the season on a one end, if you want to be positive, you say the Knicks are five and two and you might, you might disagree with this or not, but I think it's common. RJ Barrett is, has been the best player. Yes. So those, if That's you just said those two things, five and two, RJ Barrett is the best player. How could that, that is the best possible thing you could ever ask for as a Knicks fan. But on the other side, right, you could say they're a, they're a Tom Thibodeau coach team who is not really playing great defense consistently. And they're relying on, um, you know, insane three point shooting without having a roster of players that I would say you would expect to be an insane three point shooting team. So there are things there that you could argue are not sustainable, right? And then yeah. on top of that, with with the fact that this is now a team that's more hunted than being the hunter. And I don't sure. want to say hunted, meaning like they're a, you know, a top team, but meaning like there's no longer the Knicks are going to show up. Everyone thinks they're the worst team in the league. So if they just play really hard, they'll surprise someone. Now it's like if they don't play hard, you know, the other team's not going to give them any slack, you know, because they're expecting that the Knicks are going to come in and give an effort. So I feel like it's that dichotomy of there's a lot of, there's the positive, but there's also, I think maybe what you're alluding to is the underlying of maybe they can't keep up that five and two record. Well, I, here's the thing. I think fans think it's look, I'm one of them. I want to have my cake and eat it too. Right. I want to think that they are good enough to keep up, like to play better and to keep up this record and the frustration. Like if you don't have the talent, like we always joke about, you know, covering that, that 17 win debacle of a season, which in, in a lot of ways was the easiest job I'll ever have because it's like, you know, there's no misgivings about what we're watching. Like the the, the talent is what it It is, is, you know, you know, and it's easy to be like, Hey, I'm going to pick out the one good thing that happened tonight because there's only one good thing or maybe two good things, whatever, you know, and talk about, you know, uh, Frank, uh, you know, digging into the pain or Mitchell Robinson, like looking bouncy, Um, you know, now, I think there is this interesting middle ground where it's like th- there is a sense that this team can be great and sh- and almost should be great. And the fact that they aren't. But at the same time, I agree with you. You know, are they going to be the best three point shooting team in the legal year? That's, you know, may- maybe, maybe not. Um, that said, I do think that they have about as high a ceiling of a team it's not to say that they don't have a floor too. They also, they do have a floor, Um, but they have about as high a ceiling of a team that don't have a top. I don't know which one's top, top 20 player, top 15, top 20 player. Yeah. 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 Well, no, it Um, goes back to, yeah, it's those two things. They don't have a top 20 player and they don't, like I said, it's, it's strange that you would be such a good three point shooting team where you wouldn't sit here and say, Oh yeah, the Knicks have, I mean, we're, 
do they have a top 20 three point shoot? Like I know percentage wise they do, but in terms of if you said to yourself perception, here, yeah, here's yeah. the player. Is this one of the top three point shooters in the league? You would probably well, say no. I think Walker is a guy that you would have given some consideration to, for that designation given. Right. Cause if you look at some of the, some of the stats in terms of the types of shots he's taken over the last few years of really difficult shots and he has, you know, converted them at a good clip. He's the one guy. And then the other guy, and, and you already said his name, um, I, I kind of, and he, again, he's not taking off the dribble craziness. Yeah. He had one yeah, the, right. other, the other night, but it's RJ Barrett. Um, no, but the, the, the guy that, that, that the guy not to interrupt, but like guys yeah. that you're not sitting here thinking like the bomb squad Knicks, right? Well, like, it's not Duncan Robinson like, and you know, yeah, like, or, or, or right, Steph like Curry you went or into like the year and you were like, oh yeah, like they got these guys, they're gonna live and die on the three. It's guys that are like, okay, yeah, like then the modern NBA, every team's got every a couple team. guys who yep. are gonna be decent. <laughs> point shooters but the fact that they've become like that is their like this could be a, you know obviously it's seven games but that, that they could be like a record-breaking three-point team that that's what's crazy to me so what what people what, what i want i think what people want is they again cake have your cake and eat it too they want the ethos of last year's team where we're going to come in and play every night like we're 20 point underdogs and that we're the team that was picked to finish dead last that plus the improve the improvements in talent. And right. I, I think that's, you know, it's, that's, that's tough to get. Um, yeah, and I think, right. we're, I think we're, we're, we're seeing this, like the, there's a reason that the plucky underdog is the plucky underdog. It's because yeah. they, they, they are the underdog. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com tech.
Knicks basketball is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet for Knicks tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that all other sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you could find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110 percent of the difference in the purchase price. When the Knicks schedule came out, there are definitely certain dates we all circled on the calendar. October 20th against the Celtics, Christmas Day against the Hawks, January 12th against the Mavericks, even April 6th against Brooklyn. Whether on the road or in the garden, TickPick has you covered. Visit TickPick.com slash film school today to save $10 on your first order of Knicks tickets. That's TickPick.com slash film school to save $10 on your first order of Knicks tickets today. Um, no, but look, you've, you've now that in a couple different ways. It is crazy how far things have come um, since you started the newsletter, um, way back when, when like, I'm trying to even remember what the format of it was back then. You were just mostly putting in a lot of, it was a lot of social media stuff because that was when the Durant like hype was really starting. Right. Yeah. Cause we, right. It started where we're going into the off season, but the off season not, just- not the Durant off season, but like the off season before, the right. Durant offseason, if I'm recalling correctly. Right. I think that's right. And I think I, I always told people, it's like, obviously, Nick's film school, the account started as a video account, right? And I always told people, it's like, you know, we pivoted just because no one, you know, when you're winning 17 games, there's diehard fans who still wanted the video breakdowns. But the fact of the matter is, you can only go so far with breaking down a player who you knew was not going to be part of the solution, was going to be probably gone next year, and they're mm. playing bad. So it got to the point where like the main content was more, how has the roster evolved? Um, And I think that's why now this year, I mean, you know, last year I was busy doing the baseball stuff, but I think this year, as we talked about, I'm excited to maybe get more into the film again, because it's like, you actually have a reason to look at the film, right? Like you're not, they're not set. I remember one time we were together. I think they were on the road against Utah when we watched that game. (laughs) And it's like, we're you're trying they to lost by like with, 40. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what, and if I remember, and it's crazy, you remember these things, there's so many games, but it's like, we're breaking down their pick and roll defense um, because they were playing Luke Cornette minutes then. And it was this big deal of like what he yeah. could do out there. Yeah. And it's like, you know, when you go back to that, you're like, all right, it's a lot. It's a big difference when you're breaking on film to be like, if they figure this thing out, they could win 51 games versus 47, you know, like that, that is more fun, obviously. So, um, so yeah, we've come a long way, I guess is what we keep saying. (laughs) Yeah. I I think it's, um, and, but just again, I'm not saying nobody was, was putting, um, putting clips on, on Twitter and the internet before, before you came along, but you look now and you know, there's a bunch of guys that do it and do it very well. Um, like the day after a game, you scroll through Twitter and there's just like one thread after another breaking down, yeah, right, breaking right, down right. film. Um, but again, that makes me think of like, you know, what you refer, were referring to before in terms of what people like seek out in a newsletter 
or for that matter, what they seek out in a podcast, because there's a million different podcasts out there. Like what do people, yeah. you know, I, I think there has to be, there has to be something that, that, you know, people gravitate to, because again, if it was just about the content, there's a million different places to get the content. It has to be something specific. So, you know, um, you, you've God knows you've been working on the, the formula for a long time. I got, I got to ask c- covering, writing a baseball newsletter versus writing a basketball newsletter. What do you, what do you think is the biggest difference? Yeah. Well, the biggest difference, well, there's a couple of things. One is obviously it's every day they're playing a game, right? Uh, so you got to figure out how to pull out, you know, I mean, there's a lot of noise in an 82 game season too, but like now you're doubling that in the number of games playing. Um, it seems so, very intimidating to be honest with you. I like having off days. Right, right. You have the yeah. off days, but the other side of it is you're constantly at least getting game content, right? So I know there's a lot of fans that feel like I could do without the rumors. I could do without that stuff. Just give me the actual game content. And obviously baseball gives you plenty of that. The Mets versus the Knicks is interesting because it's just totally different, especially on social media. It's like, I would always joke with Emily. It's like, I could, I could sit and write something you know, and I did a lot of analytical stuff. I'd spend a lot of research and I could do it and I could sit back and be like, this is one of the, the best things I feel like I did in terms mm. of like researching and feel like I found a different angle and I made all the graphics work, whatever. Yeah. And then I would share it out. And it's like, you would get, you know, 14 likes in one retweet on the Knicks. I could be, I could spend two seconds yeah. coming up with the dumbest thing I could think of. <laughs> But because it's the Knicks, it's like it goes crazy. So I think there's a different animal on social media. And then because of that, with the Knicks, you got to keep yourself from just wanting to feed that beast of like, I think right now with, you know, and we were talking about the bing bong, it's like that concept of we're going to get on social media if we act like idiots and react to a regular season win, right? The same fans who are Yankee fans, right? who will make fun of another fan base who will get excited about a regular season win. They'll say yeah. like, well, come talk to us when you win a world series are the same fans that are sitting here going nuts on a regular season win. But the point is it's because of that social media aspect where the NBA and the Knicks generate a lot. So like it's easy to want to tailor your content for that because you can get broader exposure where with the Mets, you didn't get that same response. So I think it made it where you're like, okay, you just got to feel confident in your content without getting any reassurance from how people react on social media. Well, but there's a difference between feeling confident in your content and, and getting your content read. And I think that's the part where like social media is, you know, we, we don't have to get into a whole, a whole social media thing. God knows we've talked about it a lot in the past, but like, it, it, the NBA, it, it is a social media sport right. much more than, yeah. than anything else. And, but the, but the interest, like, so like, I, I just don't have a lot of time for it anymore. And and quite frankly, I am um, much happier that I don't spend a lot of time on right. Twitter. And right. I've gotten to the place where it's like, I could just produce my content and then let it speak for itself. And I, I don't have to spend as much time. I mean, I'll send out my tweets, you know, promoting whatever I'm, I'm working on. But um, in terms of like, engaging in, in the discourse where it's just like, you know, you, you kind of, you're, I don't know, you just end up beating your head against the wall at the same time. Those are the, that's how you 
kind of really understand or really realize where the conversation is. The thing that I struggle with the most is when I'll be watching a game or I'll be like analyzing stats or I'll be doing whatever I'm doing. And I'll be like, okay, here are the things that seem important to me right now. And yep. this is, I think where maybe it's different than, than baseball. And I'll have those opinions. And then I'll maybe we'll take two or three minutes to scroll on Twitter. And I'll be like, wow, that's not, that's not what people are thinking about or talking about at all. They're really, they're focused in on this other thing that I personally yep. didn't think was a big deal, but is like driving people up a wall or, or, you know, no, whatever that, the case may be. That's a great point. And I remember in the heat of running Nick film school, Twitter account. And I guess I'll, I'll, I'll start with the other point. I'm the same way with you where now I prefer to do without being on Twitter all the time. But I also, it's almost like without Twitter, Nick film school wouldn't exist. Like it was only a Twitter account for a long time. That's all it was. And that yeah. and the idea was, yeah. this is how people consume content. Now they don't, they no longer go to blogs. So let's make a Twitter account. That's basically like a blog. It's going to give you videos, graphics and news all in one thing. And you just scroll and you get it. So there's a part of me that's like, how do you turn away from the thing that without that thing, you wouldn't <laughs> be where you are, right? But then there's other part yeah. of what you're saying where um, I remember in the heat of Nick film school where I always had this feeling of, I wish I could just turn off. I, I, if I read no articles and read no social media and just watch the game and then wrote as if I was writing in like a diary to myself, how would I cover the team differently? Oh, okay. I used to think about that a lot. That's and I think you're touching on that point of, I think you would cover it differently. And I think that is, that is valuable because it's a smart person covering the team and giving a unique perspective rather than reacting to, well, well this is the conversation. So I have to write about that. Well, I think, I think you should split the baby. And what I personally, at this point, uh, this, this may evolve. And this is actually a good, good transition to actually talk a little bit about the, the team itself is like, I think it's important to acknowledge whatever the topic of conversation is and where people's excitement may lie, where people's gripes may lie. And then just simply point it out and be like, okay, here's why I agree with that. Or here's why I think that that's, not something I'm particularly interested in, um, mm -hmm. you know, which leads us to, to this team, because again, we, we've mentioned it before. I mean, they're, they're five and two and RJ Barrett is looking like he's going to be a future star. Um, it, some people would, would say that it's, he's looked like a future star for two years. I, 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 I think we're, this is, this is important. This proof that we're seeing, um, you know, but I think people are really upset upset. I don't know if upset's the right word are perturbed, bothered, uh, whatever, not a good thing with Julius Randall and yeah, how right. he, how he has looked this season. Especially it, on defense, right? It, well, I think, you know, he's, I think it's the, the other night again, what was it? The, the game against, um, new Orleans is where it looked like he really wasn't running back, uh, on a couple of occasions. So that was, that was like less than ideal, but like, I looked yep. it up even earlier today, only guy in the league, you know, and I think similar stat from last season, but only guy in the league averaging 20, 10 and six with, with two made three pointers a game. Um, like that's, and I, I get that that's certainly not everything like right. point to point to any of Russell Westbrook's last two or three seasons where he was still averaging a triple double. And it's like, who cares? You're not, you're not helping your team win. Um, 
you know, but Randall is he's shooting still efficiently for, efficiently from deep, not so much from inside the arc. So that that is one of those things where I wonder and I have to actually check myself and ask myself, like, am I because I like, part of me like doesn't want to be too harsh. And I feel like yep. is is Randall the guy like, cause, you know, because we're fans, we always need something to direct our angst at when things aren't going well. And like, right, right, right. Or when things aren't going perfectly, I should even say. And it's like, is that it? Or or is there a genuine thing here um, to be to be concerned about? And it's and that's and that's the tough part is when you have to like kind of like when you look at yourself in the mirror and you'd be like, I'm actually not even sure what I think. And it's not yeah. like the tape gives you like the tape gives you some answers, but they, they it also doesn't give you all the answers because usually the tape is kind of a mixed story. Yeah, no. And I think that there is stuff that, you know, and, and, and this is a classic, right, where you when you're when you're covering a team very closely. You're hoping the value you can provide is you're watching every minute of every night. So you see things, right. That don't aren't on a stat sheet. But I think with Randall, people who are watching them that closely might feel like there are subtle body language things yeah, that make you there. think that there's something there. So, right. So if you just, like you said, looked at the stats, you would say, well, all right, it seems okay. But there's subtle things that you feel like there's something going on. Um, but then this is where I guess really in the baseball, right? So the baseball, the classic is it's all about sample size, right? It's like, well, it's yeah. seven games, you know? So what is seven games? You know, you got to give him more time. Um, but you also, I, I just think it's expectations, which is always the, the most difficult thing, maybe with Knicks fans a little bit is just this idea of everyone is, yeah scrutinized extra, but also hyped up extra. There's like this counter to everything, right? So there's a bunch of people who gave up on RJ Barrett already. And then all the people who didn't now this year are extra loud because they're like, see, I told you not to give up on him. And then yeah. you have Julius Randle, who we all know he is, he is what he is. He's not a top 20. He's not the type of, he's not Patrick Ewing. Right. No. So, but he Few is, are. right. But like he is, you know, arguably one of the best players on, on the first good Knicks team in a long time. So because of that, it's like, how do you manage the expectations of being that? Like if the Knicks were to win 50 games this year and win a playoff round and Julius Randle leads that, it's just because we've been waiting so long for a good Knicks team. And then he would represent potentially, you know, we were talking about RJ Barrett, but potentially the best player I just think it's hard to manage expectations because he suddenly gets put in that realm of you are a good, you are the best, one of the best players on a good Knicks team. So now I have to evaluate you that way without realizing, yeah, that's true, but this is a different type of Knicks team. They're winning without having a patch of healing. I also, you know, and you just touched on something like, um, <laughs> So uh, not, I don't want to, I'm going to detour us, but I'm going to bring us back. Um, I'm working right now on, and actually in Wednesday's newsletter, it will be the, I'm going to reveal the, the first, the first player on, on this list. I'm going to count down the top 75 players in my very humble estimation of uh, in Nick's history. And right. like, I did, I absolutely, when I was trying to make this list factored in fans, perception and there have been certain guys over the years where just like fans are like give me all this give me as all the stock of that guy like good things are going to happen 
when that guy's in the game. And it's it's oftentimes not guys who who put up numbers. And when it is guys who put up decent numbers, then they're then they're legends, obviously. Um, right. you know, like an Anthony Mason, for instance. Anthony Mason put up a little bit of numbers, not Ewing right. numbers, a little bit of numbers, and he's like, you no one is gonna ever say a bad word about him. In any case, because people, I think in this town in particular, when when a guy always plays the right way, it it just it resonates so much. And I'm not not to say that like Randall like always was because God knows they were uh, Andrew. Could you feel free to correct me if I'm wrong? How many post games did we do last year where Julius Randall was like, even after he had made the All Star team and even after he was like a lock for most improved and even after he was like in the MVP running, I would get on there and it would be a loss in which he would you know shoot whatever nine of twenty four and fans right. would be like Randall's taking too many shots, Randall's isolating too much, Randall's not being considered yep. enough of like whatever getting Barrett as looks like all kinds of different stuff and it's like I don't know if that's different expectations for a top player or if it's just that like again. Um, we, we want to see and we want to know that you are again, I hate to use the phrase, but quote unquote, playing the right way. And then the last point I'll make on this, and I'm curious to hear what either of you guys think is, is it, is it unfair of us to expect guys who are talented? Like Randall's clearly yeah. talented. He's a good, very good player. He's an all-star level player to, take that next extra step of also being super talented and being able to score and do all these things, but also not again, quote unquote, make any mistakes and like always be playing the right way and not like, because I think this is the, I think this is where I'm going to rest on with him. If you are all of those things, then you are a top 10 player and then you are a legitimate MVP candidate. And like Randall's not, and he's not that for a reason. So I, I, I don't, I think that's where I'm at with it. I'm I'm curious if either of you guys have any, any thoughts on that. Andrew, go ahead. Oh, so to your first point about Randall and post game reactions last year, uh, I seem to remember it actually being largely positive during the season. Oh, for sure. Partially because Randall, I just really didn't have that many cold stretches. There were stretches. Don't get me wrong, but like post all-star break, we had this, this mini like seven or eight game run when Derek Rose still had COVID, but the limitations of the team seemed to be more shining than the limitations of Randall and everybody directed their consternation at one player that played point guard and wore number six. Yes. The issue I think and you, JB, you tell me if you've picked up on this. The issue I think with this season, and we've, uh, we might have to add this to the drinking game, is talking about Knicks fans' PTSD. Um, anytime you mention PTSD, take a shot. Um, they saw the playoffs. They saw the actual sellout crowds of Madison Square Garden, and they saw what Julius Randle looked like. Now there's expectations. Now he yeah. has to show that playoff Randall was not a real thing that it was just like took a week off. It's a five game sample size. It's not real. And now you have to show us that the actual Randall that exists is all NBA. Randall is most improved Randall. And at first sign, which really has just been a four or five game sample size because he's been largely good for portions of this season so far. It's only been really two. I would say two and a half, three games. So even if you want to limit it to that, People are then going to bring right. up like, oh, shoot, playoff Randall. I, 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 I know this, this road. I know where this leads. Yeah. To. yeah. And right, right. that's the fear that's being kicked in. 
Yes. All right. So to, to both of your points, I'll start with Macri with expectations. So one is it's where you're jumping off from, right? So with Patrick Ewing, you are an all-time great player, a player who entered the league as a savior, who, yep. you know, in the right situation wins multiple championships, you know, almost won one, almost won multiple, even with Jordan com- competing against Michael Jordan, right? Um, because I feel like if the Knicks got by the Bulls a couple of years, I mean, and if you're obviously a diehard Knicks fan, you're listening to this podcast and I I don't have to sell that. 96, 97. Right. But the point is that he's still Patrick Ewing, but then back then as Knicks fans know, people were extremely critical of him, right? Uh, Knicks fans, right? So that is going to be constant. Fans are always going to point the finger at the star player. But the, I guess the difference was being critical of Ewing when you came back to your like baseline was he's Patrick Ewing. But being critical of Randall, it's a different baseline. And I guess that's what I'm trying to say. is like that's, Randall is not on that same yeah. level. So he's being treated like he is a star player on a good team, which normally means you are a top 20 player. But I don't think he is. So he just is what he is. So that's why maybe for him, the expectations are even more because of that gap to what Andrew is saying about the playoffs. It's absolutely true, especially in New York. Cause again, a lot of Knicks fans are Yankee fans and it's this whole, there's a generation that grew up watching the Jeter Yankees and they thought this is how life was going to be. Like you would go to the play, you'd be a good team. You go to playoffs, you'd win every year. Now, obviously they're learning that doesn't happen. But the point is you could have a player in baseball who slumps for five games and it's not uncommon. Mike Trout can have a bad five games. In basketball, it's a little different than baseball because I don't think it happens as often that you know Mike Trout having a bad postseason the way he has had in the past. Yeah. Like that would be like LeBron James suddenly shooting like 15% from the field. That would never happen. So I think what is a little different with the sample size in basketball is it's uncommon that a star player regresses as much, or if you want to regresses would suggest he, he, he isn't that good. So maybe I'll instead say struggles as much as he did relative to what he normally performs. So in that regard, it, it is a little odd that what happened happened because it's not like baseball where you just have a bad series over a, over a large sample. Usually your best players are going to play good over a five game series. And then you just might lose anyway. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's very different sports. Um, and you're right. He, like he, he was very bad. I, I, I don't know. I, I couldn't help, but again, talking about the difference between like stars and role players and, and then we could like uh, finish up soon. It, it's interesting to me that, just turning to another play, the other, the other player, I would say getting the criticism of, of Nick fans right now is Emmanuel quickly. Who's shooting like, right. I don't know, 23% from the field or something. Which by the way, it, who, who would have said, so if we said two years ago or one year ago, this time we've said, okay, fast forward a year, the Knicks are going to be this unbelievable three point shooting team. Yeah. Now, if you had to bet your life, oh, yeah. Emmanuel quickly, a part of that, there's no <laughs> Knicks fan that would say, oh, yeah, no, he would actually not be. <laughs> I think I, I, mean, I think one of my preseason 
predictions was that Emmanuel quickly would finish. Uh, let me see if I get this right. Second in the league in made threes per game to Steph Curry. Yeah, or no, I, sorry, not, I, not per game, per 36 minutes. Yeah, that's what Because when I was saying to you, it's odd that they've been so good without like a top shooter you would think of offhand. I was biting my my tongue about quickly because it's well, like he would have been that guy. Yes. And again, he's so young. He still might be that guy, but I'm just saying it, it's odd well, that they've done it without that. So, and what, what's really interesting is if, again, if you do, this is, this is something that the tape makes very obvious to me, at least um, he and Tom, Tom uh, Piccolo had a very good uh, thread on this on Twitter today. He quickly has played really well. He has shot it abysmally. I mean, he, you can't right. shoot it worse than he shot it. He has played really well. His defense has been good. His playmaking has been pretty good. Um, he, he, you know, there's a reason Tibbs left him in the game down the down the stretch um, against the Raptors. Um, but he's just not making shots. And I, I uh, there are a lot of fans calling for him to be benched in favor of you know whether it's Quentin Grimes or or uh, I don't know maybe Deuce McBride someone. Um, and it's again it's seven games. You know, yeah, but right, right. but we're not talking about if you baseball is your analogy, Mike Trout or or whatever. Like this is a guy who his the sample size that we have is only one year. So yep. you know, should should we give him that that rope? I I personally do, but I don't know. All this stuff is it's just man, it's very interesting how much um you know perception and reality. Where's the intersection when it when it comes to to covering and and reacting to um things that are going on. So wait, before, before I let you go, a um, couple, couple things. I want to get you on the record yep. for some stuff. Um, will the Knicks wait, make can I make one? I'm sorry. Yeah. I got to make one more random point. Please. I love your random point. Your um, random points are the best. The, so I was doing the, the one side versus Ewing. The other side, though, where we're talking about perception is, okay. isn't it, you know, the other way you can look at it is, isn't it nice finally with the Knicks where, because they had last year and in, in, in this small start now where you can actually start telling stories the way people used to tell stories about players who either left the Knicks or the Knicks passed on. So you could also look at Randall and say, here was a player who on other organizations, even traditionally successful organizations could not figure it out. Yep. He comes to the Knicks and he becomes a star player, right? Yeah. You have Obi Toppin, right? Who, you know, is a player where any of these like random games where he does something good, if he was on any other team and the Knicks had passed him up, everyone would be, if he was on the Spurs, everyone would be like, <laughs> Oh, that, that would have been nice if the Knicks had him as coming off the bench. Right. Yeah, and yeah. it's like now, so I will say with Randall that the other way to look at it, I'm, I'm comparing it to Ewing to start, but the other way to look at it as here is a player who, who for whatever reason, couldn't get it all together anywhere else. He comes here and he became his best maximized self. And to do that with the Knicks after all, all we've been through is a satisfying thing. Anyways, but now I'll let you go. It's, but it's not, <laughs> but first of all, can you imagine if the Knicks had done what the Lakers did and, and literally let him go for nothing, like did not extend the qualifying right, offer, right. just told him to go take a walk. And then he finishes eighth in MVP. Um, like Nick, we, I, we'd be apoplectic. Um, Although I guess tit for tat, we did pa uh, take Kevin Knox and, and passed on um, a couple of decent players. So, you know, it, it all evens out in the end. Right. Yeah, um, right. And hopefully, and I think proof is in the pudding 
this this front office has has pretty much gotten almost everything right um, since they since they've taken over. Um, oh, okay. Get you on the record. Um, are the Knicks going to make the? You have a couple of choices. Are they going to be um, a home court advantage team, so top four seed, playoff team, so top six seed, play in team, so seven, eight, nine, ten, or I don't, I don't, I don't want to even yeah, ask yeah, you if right. you think the next year. The other one, yeah. I mean, the safe bet I feel like would be the top six, right? Okay. I feel like that. That is the safe bet. I feel like that's the safe bet. Um, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna have fun and say they're gonna get home court. Wow, I like it. I like the. That's bold. Right? I was. I was. You know what? It's because well. what it takes, and we used to say talk about this in terms of what we wanted as fans. When a team finally turns it around, yes, there are instances we know another team that that might play in a in a borough that you know live that just you know they make roster moves where it's obvious that they're gonna make that jump. But yes. a lot of teams that aren't doing it that way that make the jump, usually it's kind of a surprise, like last year, yeah. right? Yeah. So if you're kind of continuing on that trajectory and how they've even started, it's like, yeah, why wouldn't you? Expect based on what we've seen with this current leadership that, that, that you can't expect the better, right? Like, why do we have to always... This, I'm talking to myself and I'm talking to you. Why do we always have to expect the worst with the team we root for, right? Let's expect the best and say they're going to get that four seed. You should take your own advice. Uh, okay. I have the answer to that, by the way, JB. Why? Well, because you talked about expectations being Yankee fans' fault. Because Knicks fans are also Mets fans, expecting the worst right. yeah, is no, indeed true. part of our DNA, as you know yes. so well. Right, right. We, we know well. But that's what I'm hoping. Both these teams are on, on a path that I think they can, they can turn that. But you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, give me, Will, give me your, your, a year from now when we're talking about R.J. Barrett, we're, we are talking about what? What are we saying? Um, I think I think he's still going to be a player who is the type like when you watch him play every day, you have a different feeling than if you're just an NBA fan. Yes. Because we like you know we know. I mean, obviously on Twitter now, this is it, it's um, it's almost become like the commonplace thing to talk about. But like his defense, if you're not on Nick's Twitter and you're just an NBA fan, I don't think you're thinking of RJ Barrett's defense. But if Probably you're on not. Nick's Twitter. You're you're talking about that all the time, but it, it's I think I think he's still a player that you have to watch every day to realize who he is. So meaning I don't think he's necessarily like okay, here's a, a definite bona fide star, but who cares? Like it's those type of players that good teams have, and then maybe we're a couple years away from him getting to to, to that point. Um, one more next question then. Um, one more, and then we'll let you go. So you you brought up star. Um, what is it? So by this time next year, the Knicks will have traded for a star. Yes or no? I mean, it seems like this is what we've been waiting for. They them to that's be why I'm asking you, <laughs> right? And then to be to be good. Um, because it's the NBA, I'm going to say they probably will because. Okay crazy stuff always happens, but I'm saying that the reason I said, because it's NBA, because I want to be clear about this. I'm saying that more as a product of how the league operates than that. I think that this current 
front office leadership is looking to necessarily like we have to do it at at all costs by next year. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I think right. there are there are opportunities the way the league is right now where you can actually in a, it's a rare case where you could be a really good team that can go far without having a top 5 player. That hasn't happened often. I think we're in a window right now where you might be able to do that. And because of that, it's a little different where I think we went in, you know, we've had it, right? Where it's been LeBron, it's been Shaq, it's been yeah. Kobe, it's been yeah. Jordan. I mean, it's not that right now. Like you can't go on the street right now and talk to a person and say, mm-hmm. we, we all know the Bucks just won in, in, in everything, right? But like, I don't think most average fans, like casual fans are like, who's going to win this year? And they're telling you and they're going to be right. Oh, yeah. That doesn't happen in the NBA. That doesn't well, happen. We, we are in a bit of a strange time because it's like the perception is like Levant's still the best player. And like, I'm not sure if that's true anymore. And his team like isn't playing particularly well right, right now. So, and, yeah. so you could argue that this is a weird window where you can maybe be just the team who's been together for a while, has a lot it's of really possible. good players. Yeah. And again, you might not be the best team, but sort of going back to the nineties Knicks. And again, I know they had Ewing, but like you could be this team who's at least getting to the conference finals. You're knocking on the door and, and somehow you could do it without having a top 10 player. Um, Maybe that changes the calculus a little bit, but you know, again, it's NBA. So anytime you think like there's any stability or you think you define how it is, at least to me in the last like 10 years, some star player is going to be like, Oh, nope, I'm going to change the whole thing. You can't count on anything. And because of that, you know, to me, anything could happen. It's only, only a matter of time. So the next, uh, Woj bomb. Um, okay. Last one. Uh, speaking of star trades, I, I believe, and I'll lean on either of you for this, the Mets trade for, uh, their, he, he, I believe the young man, man plays shortstop. That was the biggest trade in baseball over the last year, right? Trading for Lindor. Or yes. Francisco Lindor. Lindor. It has yeah, to well, say that. that that, well, no, it was it was interesting because they trade for Lindor and they trade for a starting pitcher, Carlos Carrasco. And the idea was this was going to be like the first Steve Cohen's owner. They do all these things. And then, of course, Lindor struggles out of the gate. Carrasco gets hurt and then he's terrible. So to Andrew's point about expecting the worst, the Mets made a trade that there was no person. I'm not even going to say objective. There was no person that even new baseball just a tiny bit would have said this trade is bad for the Mets. And then somehow for the first year, it didn't work out like they wanted. Um, so, so my, you know, that's expecting the worst. My, my question <laughs> is when, when are the net, the Mets going to hire the person that will be making trades from now on? Because they have not yet hired a, a person. In the time we've been recording, right. So about 45 minutes, I got two because now instead of the Knicks notifications, I'm getting my Mets notifications, right? I got two notifications about new reports of people they might interview who probably aren't interested. Yeah. So that's the latest, the latest Mets uh, world, right? Who are they going to interview that won't be interested? JB, at the last town hall we did for Patreon, I asked every single person that logged into Zoom, would you like to run the Mets? Yeah, right. Because that's, that's, that's where we are right now. I have no idea why they can't get 
a high profile candidate to run a New York City baseball team with the richest owner in in baseball, not pro sports, because Balmer has more, but still like the second richest owner in sports. Yeah, no, it's great. And it's funny. There is this is where the similarity to the Knicks. There is a section of Mets Twitter now who is very upset that Mets fans are upset that about these <laughs> news about they can't hire a big uh, a big name person because they're like, mm-hmm. oh, this is ridiculous. Everyone's overblowing it because it's the Mets and it's Cohen. I mean, I guess th- there's parts of that that's true, but like there is a story here that you know, th- like you said, everything you just laid out. How do you not get one of the top candidates? It seems like it just seems like if Andrew Friedman stepped aside from the Dodgers right now. It just seems unlikely to me that they would have trouble getting a top candidate to go run that team. So I always thought that there was a candidate of a team currently playing, which is why I was like, all right, patience, wait till wait till some teams get eliminated. Wait for maybe they are looking at someone at the Dodgers or or a team that's still in the hunt that why yeah. they should why well, I was kind of patient. We're now down to there's one or two games left in the baseball season, and you still haven't even hired a GM there's like this interim thing with Sandy that you don't know. Like, is he hiring his replacement? Is he hiring just the GM and they still don't have a manager? Like (laughs) I, I, that's the other part is then you have to make personnel decisions and then free agency has to be. What if there's there's all of these dominoes that then have to fall? So my, my understanding is they couldn't get the actual Billy bean. What if, what if they just hired Brad Pitt to, you know what? They might be stuck with that. You know what? See if Jonah Hill's free. He's got the guy that actually came up with analytics, even though it's been around yeah. since the sixties. I, I it, listen. I'll say this: if Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill were in the Mets, I, I would be a lot more interested in the Mets next year. I would, I would watch. <laughs> there you go. It would at least baseball. make it entertaining. It'd be good for the newsletter, right? Oh gosh, <laughs> my only, my only wish, and it might be unrealistic, is that they give Beltran another shot, like an actual shot at redemption here. So that way he doesn't go someplace else, become a great manager. And it's like, oh, remember yeah. the guy that was the Mets manager for three months before something yeah. he did. Because right. we've seen a, it with Cora, right? Yeah. About Cora. He's well, out, AJ, Hinch is, then, AJ Hinch is currently a manager right. in baseball, you know? They, they come back and, and, and Cora, yeah, and you're right. Yeah, and Cora especially did obviously unbelievable things with the Red Sox team this year. Um uh, which I had, to, I was at that Yankee Red Sox game where the Red Sox won the playoff game, and that, that was even though I'm not a Yankee fan, obviously. You're at the wild card I, game. Yeah, and I was not enjoying that moment because I still do not like to. I'm a weird fan where I dislike the Boston teams more oh, than I dislike. Okay. Because I grew up in Connecticut. Oh, so in Connecticut, it was like yeah. split Boston, New York. So I was mostly New York. So therefore, I root against Boston, but um. But I was reminded talking to Sox fans how great Alex Cora was. So that's why I just thought of that. But um, but anyways, yeah, Beltran, give him another shot. That's what you're thinking. That's it's the one wish I have. If you want to hire a a no name or an unknown to run the team, just like he's also going to be eligible for the Hall of Fame in a couple of years, and probably going to be a first or second ballot. There's a good chance he goes in as a Met, which means they'll be retiring his number. And I'd like that awkwardness of hey. Remember that time we hired you yeah, and then fired you within three months and Beautiful. you never got a chance to manage again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd rather it be like, hey, Mets manager that we rehired and then started to have successful seasons with, you know, let's honor yeah. you that way, you know? It's a good yeah. call. But what's funny, and that, that one last point, I guess, is that Atlanta fans talk about their team, like you said, because they've blown these games. 
But as Mets fans, it's odd to hear that a Braves fan acts like they don't win. Because granted, mm-hmm. they haven't won the World Series, right? But all yeah. they've done is won. Even they I can appreciate this. <laughs> right? They just haven't won a World Series. But yeah. like all those fans are like, you know, like, oh, woe is me. Like, I can't believe it. They never win. And they're all sitting there acting like, you know, the Dodgers are going to beat them again. They were literally, at least in our section, they were acting like Mets fans. Like, how is this game going to blow on us? And I'm sitting there thinking, it just shows you that every fan base, and we'll connect it to the Knicks to put a bow on the podcast, every fan base, no matter how fortunate or unfortunate you've been, they think that their team is the one that is cursed and bad things are going to happen. It's just like natural. Not the Lakers. The Lakers are the, the Lakers are the one team. Good, the I actually, you underestimate Lakers Twitter, John. The, the screenshots I've seen of them being like the, we had to struggle all those years with the Brandon Ingram, Lonzo oh, ball. That was Julius I mean, lineup. That's a small yeah, they had the, subset of idiots. But even I'm like just, Red Sox fans, yeah. like think about it. All that team has done has is win. That's all yeah. they do. And they still act like they're these big underdogs. And then Yankee fans are the same way. Right. And it, it just shows you, you could win a million championships yeah. and you're still sitting there being like, Oh, because it's the Yankees, because it's the Red Sox, because it's the Braves, fill in the blank. So I, I guess the, the moral of the story is that at least as Knicks fans, we've had legitimate reason to complain so that when the Knicks do finally win, this wasn't like, oh, the Knicks were like the Red Sox where they were good every single year. They just didn't get over the top or like the Braves where they were good every single year. They didn't get over the top. This is a team that the fans stuck with them when they were literally the worst team for several years. They didn't make the playoff in a league that over 50% of the league makes the playoff. This is not like the Red Sox. This is not like the Braves. When the Knicks finally win, this is a special case. That's my I, my uh, bow on it. Bring it back. I, to I thought you were going to say uh, the moral of the story is don't watch sports because it causes nothing but pain. And it's um, for fanatic for a reason. Yeah. There you but go. I like, well, but I like the bow. Reason, yeah. But it's also I'm giving Knicks fans credit to say there is a difference when you're following a team that wins during a regular season but then loses in a playoff. So you have pain that you, you should have won but you didn't. Versus following a team that gives you nothing, that literally says, "I'm going to win 20 games and you're and then blow a draft pick and you're still going to watch me," and yeah. and that's what Knicks fans have done. So like, I just feel like I know people get annoyed that aren't Knicks fans when you know Bing Bong and we're on ESPN to bring all that back into it. But it's like, guess what? We've actually been sitting here through all of that crap. We've had what? nothing. Give us our and give us our, our Bing Bong. All right. Well, anyway, before before I let back. you before I let you go watch the World Series, and I'm gonna go sit and watch uh, Heat Mavs. Um, JB, you have some stuff to plug before you get out of here. Yes. Yeah. We we didn't talk about Isle Six. I did want to bring that up at, earlier. Uh, if people have stuck with our baseball talk this long, right? Um, but no, obviously we have Isle Six that just launched. So if you like Nick Film School, you like Met Six, we got Isle Six, all the blue and orange. It's a great team of writers there. Um, so make sure you check that out. And, and that's at, um, at ISLESFIX. Right. And if you, if you followed Isle's blog, we, Isle's blog became Isle's pick. Okay. Um, 
So if you follow Dial's blog, so basically if you're an Islanders fan, you probably knew Dial's blog, and then now you can get all everything in a newsletter every morning. Um, so yeah, you just go to Isles Fix, and you can figure out where to sign up and and go from there. And and Mets Fix um, is, is I mean, Christ, you got mentioned on the broadcast. Uh, what what could have been more thrilling? Well, I had than to keep that. up with you and Breen, right? So it's oh, like, but listen. The brain, brain. Uh, I'm still waiting to get to get a name drop on on MSG Network. I think I might be waiting a while, but uh, no. I never him- talked to you about this, John. I almost thought we were going to get it on ESPN when Go New York, Go New York, Go yeah, was playing yeah. during the double overtime game against the Celtics, and Van Gundy goes the best in-house yeah. song. I thought he was yes. gonna be like, I was just talking about this uh, on the yeah, school. Next time, right, right. next yeah. time, yeah, next time. All right. I mean, uh, I mean Breen did pull out the Bing Bong, so like, why can't he pull out the <laughs> He did pull out the Bing Bong. <laughs> he Something sure did. Yes. He sure did. Okay, uh, JB, uh, this has been awesome. Uh, thank you for for coming on, everybody out there. Uh, make sure you go. Uh, if you're not, if you're an Islander fan, if you're a Mets fan, um, and you're not, you're not following uh, Mets fix, Isles fix. Uh, do yourself a favor. You uh, you will not be disappointed. Okay. Hope you enjoyed that. I always, I really do always have fun talking to Jeff. Um, always has something interesting to share. And, uh, and uh, yeah, if again, I know I just said it a minute ago, but if you're, if you're not checking out his other stuff and you are a Mets fan or you are an Islanders fan, uh, you won't find better coverage of those, of those teams anywhere out there. So make sure you do that again. Um, if you like the show, please leave us a rating, leave us a review subscribe, tell your friends, do whatever you got to do, support the cause. We appreciate it. And uh, we know that you have a lot of other things to do with your time besides listen to this podcast. So the fact that you do means a lot to us. Thank you so much. And we will be back with you for another episode very soon.